You are listening to the Fresh Take Network. The talent, sexy, dangerous, the Devonier. It's Devon Seal. He likes Love strawberries. strawberries. <laughs> James. <laughs> Good job. All right. Last of Us episode three, the one that every critic told us about. Everyone said it was on the level of Ozymandias and the suitcase, and I'm sh- and a variety of episodes of The Wire that I can't come up with a name at the top of my head and same with Sopranos, but it was. Told it was going to be one of the best episodes of television. And as far as the television side of it, it was beautifully written, beautifully directed, beautifully acted. No doubt about that. But. Oh, we'll get to the other stuff later. I'm just going to be a petty gamer of stuff that I wanted from it. But let's talk about it. You're going to do do Gamergate. That's what you're going to do. This is what we're doing (laughs) so far. Okay. Let's just let's talk about the. Well, okay. But. No, you might, well, might as well get going. But... I, I had a different vision of what would happen when I saw Bill. So I, I, I'm i still kind of dealing with the I, the side of I got robbed of Joel hanging from the trap. I got sure. robbed of Bill and Ellie talking shit back and forth to each other and just mm-hmm. the jibber jab between the two of them, which is one of the best things of the game. I got robbed of going to the high school, fighting for the battery, and that's the first time we meet a bloater. Right. Uh, oh yeah, so I, good call. Yeah, so there's there's stuff there. I missed that I you know wanted from a live action reenactment of all this. Druckman on his podcast that he does with HBO that's hosted by Troy Baker, and he has Chris Mizen Mizen on there. Uh, Whatever he said, well, all that stuff would be too boring for an audience. I'm like, uh, I mean, I disagree. <laughs> I don't think that would be boring. Depends how you do it. Um, but, you know, they they took a left turn. This is the sharpest left turn they've made as far as canon in the game. Sure. The lore, and, yeah. And, uh, man, if if you are attached to... If you're watching Last of Us, you're just like, man, why do I fall in love with anybody? Because they just die every single week. <laughs> and I, I will say the makeup that was done in Tess... On episode two, like I, 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 everyone's raving about Anna Torres' performance. I can't say I had seen Anna Torres in a lot of stuff, so I'm not gonna lie. No. I thought like, oh well, she got a little bit bruised, but that's kind of her appearance. Holy shit, the makeup was day and night different. Like when you see her in that flash, it was like that is a different person. Well, first of all, let's just say R.I.P. to her, to the actor who played her. Oh, the video game actress, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm bad with cancer. Like that, but, but uh, yeah, Tess is Tess getting it. Well, she got the shit kicked out of her in the first episode, right? Yeah. And then uh, for those like those things to slowly heal over time is definitely like this isn't this isn't uh, Sunday B movie horror stuff. Like this is some real some real artistry with the makeup. Mm-hmm. But yeah, are you gonna actress... are you just gonna rant? Like I I want I want to hear I want to hear all these. 
thoughts. Well, the actress you were talking about was uh, Annie Annie, uh, Rinching, who unfortunately I think caught a lot of people off guard with her passing, 45 years old. She was definitely just like in an apex of a lot of stuff. I remember her from 24. She was uh, Renee Walker in uh, in the in, in 24 as well. So, oh no way. Yeah. So and, and she done the rookie recently. She's been a Star Trek. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of rant in this. It's just I'm I'm kind of dealing with a very selfish side of this is what I wanted from it. I didn't really give a fuck about having a love story part of it as well written and beautiful as it is. <laughs> so I, I kind of, I had, I had this own anticipation in my head of what this episode was going to be. And I was geared up for the traps and the bloater and all this stuff. I had really excited myself for that. So when we get this love story. I'm like, the fuck is this? What the fuck is this love story bullshit? And again, even though, even though the love story is basically in the game, it's like written as a note. Yes, but collect. then they yeah. have a major falling out, and Frank says, "Fuck this asshole," and hangs himself. I mean, yeah, they took a little bit of a detour from yeah. that aspect, but they did. So like, again, the, the idea of, of Frank, the idea of Frank and Bill is well known within the yeah. game community, and no doubt. Blah, blah, so blah. again, a lot of a lot of that side of stuff is a very jaded, super selfish um, thing from myself incredibly selfish. going in with expectations going in yeah with expectations. Uh, and and look you know this is neil Druckmann, uh his vision and they can take the direction they want to go with they don't have oh me or anyone any apologies for what our vision is because it's their original vision this is something he pitched back when he was in college to george romano um really so, wow yeah yeah and he told him that it was bullshit <laughs> really well yeah because they had a class, they had a class project, and George Romano came into their their class, and they had to pitch a, a zombie level story to all of them. And Druckmann pitched this, and and Romano said it was wasn't very good. Um, so again, that that's just a very selfish side for me of, of stuff I wanted from the game. And as the days have gone by, and I've started thinking more about the episode, like I said at the beginning, it is fantastic writing absolutely beautiful stunning lovely i i think the the thing with this episode too in many ways this can just stand alone by itself like you don't really i mean i guess with if you just take the joel and ellie aspect out of it and you just did a short film about from where the bill stuff and the frank stuff starts and ends yeah and you just cut it by itself this could win for best short film honestly that's how that's how good it is like you don't really have to tell too much about it i guess you know you i mean you could maybe start off with joel and ellie walking up talking about where the dead bodies are showcasing them off and then having that and understanding there's some post-apocalyptic thing but easily you could win um uh a uh a short film for that and i mean i wouldn't be shocked when we get to the emmys and we have script this is yeah. probably the script that's going to win for writing at this point it'll be this or a Saul episode uh, maybe the finale of Saul, maybe that uh, the the motorcycle episode of Barry, and whatever fifty episodes of Succession go against this. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say uh, every every episode of Succession that's aired up to that point will be nominated. One yeah. Barry episode. Uh, we didn't get any Lasso episodes, or will we get? Will we get Lasso season two, or is that last year? Lasso, but Lasso will be in comedy. 
Oh, okay. There we go. Thank you. So, and then yeah, it's uh, it's already like written in the stars. The the one poignant thing of this, and I've heard a lot of people complain and say like, well, this was really boring and this made no sense and did nothing for the story. And I, I would completely disagree on that side of things. Now, and so my rant is over, my selfish side is over of what I wanted and what we got. You wanted to see some cool video game levels and you didn't get it. That's kind of the, what you're saying. I wanted saying. to see the hanging. I wanted to see the what, not not the Frank hanging. <laughs> Let me redo <laughs> that. I wanted to see Joel hanging from the trap. Frank hanging yes, was not yeah, an yeah. excitement at all. No, 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 no. Uh, but Joel hanging from, because I mean, when we talked about it, that was one of your most anticipated things. I was like, oh, I want to see how he gets out of that. So that was a bummer. But um, in the note that Bill does leave, uh, it, it, it really hits hard of, Look, I'm going to spoil something that's coming for those that have not played the game. So fast forward maybe two minutes here because this this is an important part that I have to talk to and I'm going to have to spoil something if not. Because this when I when I saw that in the letter, heard that in the letter, whatever, it really, that's what emotionally hit me. Um, so spoiler on one, three, two, one. The scene that you we all know is coming, the Joel and Ellie scene about losing people. I, I would say the show has done a much more effective job than almost the video game has, right? Because when when Joel talks about losing people in, in, in that scene with Ellie, all we can really think about is Sarah. Like, we don't have that attachment. Yeah. That he, the test buildup in the attachment is way bigger in the show. When Tess dies, yep. oh, that's too bad. I wonder how close her and Joel were. And if you do the math <laughs> of when they meet up with Frank and Bill, like you're almost thinking that's almost a 17 year relationship almost between Tess and Joel. Yeah, it's like it's like it's it's many, many, many years. If uh I kind of lost track of the time jumps that they did when they were having I lunch think they together. Meet in two thousand and six, the first time? It was like three years after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh then... no, it'd be it'd be a little bit later. It'd be, I think it might be twenty ten, uh, because so thirteen years Bill's on his own. Bill's on his own for four, three or four years. And then, and then, uh, so you're right, maybe 20, it's like 08 or 010. Yeah, it's something along, I think it's about 2010 ish. So uh, almost 13 year relationship. And then the relationship he had with Bill and Frank. So when Joel talks about, I, you know, even though Ellie's going to talk about I've lost more people, and I think it's because we're going to see Ellie's mom at some point, who I do know who Ellie's mom Mm -hmm. is now, and I won't spoil that for Devin. Um, and uh, so we're going to have that attached. It looks like in the coming up, we're going to get the mall stuff soon. But for Joel, when we think about loss for Joel, we just really focus on Sarah. And now you're adding yep. this relationship he's had with Tess that's been destroyed. And then the relationship, maybe not as much with Frank because they don't talk about much Frank, but how much the nihilism of him and Bill and how much they are on the same page in that way. They both hate each other, but understand in the same term that they are the same person and they need to protect the people that are around them. And that note broke me so much because that note was for Joel to protect Tess. And now it's flipped for him to protect Ellie. Yeah. Well, we only saw one interaction, the first interaction between uh, Joel and Bill. And we don't really, we're not really quite sure how their relationship grew and changed over the years. Right. We know, especially in the strawberry scene that the seeds came from, Joel and Tess, and they mm-hmm. traded a gun for it. What gun? Yeah, the little don't one. worry, just a, a little one. <laughs> so, 
it might be that kind of thing though like and that's this is this is definitely something uh, amongst you know quote unquote guys do where they don't really build each other up and building each other up is kind of like you know calling each other names and things like that mm-hmm. so in the in the letter after or i guess prior to right before when bill takes the pills he's already at peace with everything he's already made his decision i don't think he's necessarily using his last breaths to say i hate joel i think he's you know one of my one of my close friends or a close an associate or a confidant whatever word you want to use like you know i never really liked you wink wink nudge nudge now it's hard to say we have no proof of, of either of those things well, when but he i would be shocked, surprised what's the first thing he tells he, he tells frank called oh joel. go to joel yeah go, go to joel, to joel. Yeah. go yeah. to joel so i would i would hazard to bet that they were actually friends mm-hmm. it didn't it probably took a long time for them to get to know each other and get to like each other but i'm pretty sure they're friends yeah. um and you're right when you're talking about the Joel Ellie scene about losing people. Uh, I think you're right. I think the show has done a tremendous job of giving us these few characters that we're going to bring into that that conversation. And just say like, wow, like, and you know, credit to credit to Pedro Pascal for the acting of it was kind of five ten minutes in that house of him because he's like whole. He's like you can tell like he's he's like trying to hold it all in, right? He's trying to keep it together. And it's not until he leaves the house and he's like reading the note and he's upset and he's sad and he's angry. And you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, is he upset? He's first, first and foremost, he's upset with, with losing tests, but like even just the fact that like, we're both in the bedroom. Don't come looking for us. Mm-hmm. Like he never got to say goodbye. Uh, we don't know exactly when, they had died and when he goes to their house obviously it's a few well, months later a few weeks maybe even it says october 28th so i don't oh, know okay so they died in august and they died in august so two months yeah uh they never said goodbye and that's kind of that's kind of the 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 life that they live like because we don't have the internet we don't have email we don't have those same kinds of things and that's what this is what makes losing tommy so hard is Joel just goes from hearing about him or communicating with him, whether it be through notes or radio or whatever, to just nothing. Yeah. And there's no closure. At least with Tess and with Bill and Frank, there was a bit of closure. Not that it makes it easier, but he brings that with him into that conversation. And you know what? This episode was like you, you mentioned it a long time ago that this is like, you know, the award-winning episode and blah, 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 blah. I can't see how it's not like that was one of the most emotional. I'm not a guy who watches a lot of emotional television. I'll be the first to admit that one of the most emotional shows I'd seen in, in television in a long time, if ever, uh, because they took two very, very well-known actors and made them people. And not only that, they existed in a world where, you know, let's, let's, you know, call spade a spade, you know, it's homosexual relationship. And maybe except for the time where they first go to bed together, like it's never even brought up ever again. And it's two people who love each other over this long period of time. They grow and they fall apart and they grow and they fall apart. And that like, that was like a real, that's, that's really, that's like real love. Like that's a, you know, if Mm -hmm. we showed our parents that 
or if we had changed the gender of one of those characters to something else, or maybe we had two women, people, people would be talking about it way differently. Um, and that's what was so beautiful about it was just, just the fact that we, I, for, a, for a good chunk of that episode, like, it wasn't two men. It was just Bill and Frank. Well, remember, when they get married, marriage was not legal. And in the States, because it never, we never got to that point when, you know, because it happened, mm-hmm. I think gay marriage happens in 2006 or seven, I believe in the States, I'm getting my dates. Something like that. It was different all over the place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that means a lot to them at that point, because technically there was no gay marriage. And it, it's so interesting in that first scene when Frank sees him uh, there, he, it's like, he almost can tell that this like conservative right wing guy is hiding something and then the piano scene which i think is the scene that's going to get the piano scene's going to get replayed a lot and the strawberry scene strawberry. oh the, the song, strawberries was beautiful that that kiss i i kind of sat back and i'm like this is the greatest gay like male kiss i think i've ever seen just the build yeah. up of it the tension of it the him accepting of him and knowing that he's queer and letting him figure it out in its own right uh, like of like saying who's the girl when he knows Frank knew Frank one hundred percent knew he was he was on he was like yeah no would... no straight guy's gonna talk about how no. uh, he loves Linda Ronstadt <laughs> yeah uh, so he knew and it was just I was like when that kiss happened I was like emotionally taken back of just how great it was uh, and uh, Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman were able to do there there was a lot of sounds corny and cliche but a lot of beautiful love language in that entire was, moment yeah. that, and nick offerson does this perfect like quiffering of his lip lip there uh like he is he is scared but he is ready kind of like what we saw from the the hotel attendant in uh, white lotus when she mm. kind of is finding mm-hmm. herself and i think it's really cool you know as we start getting more stories about queer characters and more gay characters of these characters that are finding this acceptance for themselves and who they are and coming out and being nervous to have those experiences for the first time and having the right partner to lead them to those experiences mm-hmm. for the first time. It was very beautifully said. That's, that's going to be the clip for TikTok. Unless yeah. um, I do something better. Oh, um, everything you said was, was bang on. And this echoes the real world because there's people out there who don't, who can't be themselves or who, who don't want to mm-hmm. be them, but who don't, who hate themselves. I mean, you talk about, you hear this a lot with people doing confessionals on various TV shows or whatever of how they thought that they were broken or how they thought that uh, God made them this way. And why does God hate me or, or why, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and in reality, even in a apocalypse, love is beautiful love can be beautiful and love can be any kind of gender or between any kind of people that it, that it wants to be and i think that's like kind of that was kind of the point of the episode i don't know if we're going to get like we're going to get beautiful moments in this show but i think a lot of the beautiful moments are scored by tragedy right like we're going to see I, i'm sure we're going to see the the giraffes at some point but the whole point of that that scene was to see like this beautiful world renowned city is reduced to rubble and just the zoo animals are over the place. Like society doesn't exist anymore. But inside that electrified fence, more or less, that was two people living their true lives. 
-hmm. They had chores, they had jobs, they had passions, they had hobbies, they were together. They fought, they made up, they loved, they hated, they grew food, they painted, like, and this, so I think this is going to be one of the few instances in the TV show where the apocalypse wasn't portrayed as the end of the world. Yeah, they're they're surrounded in this apocalyptic situation, but really just battered in their own love story and in, in their own situations of helping each other in in many ways, right? Of Frank being this refugee from the Baltimore QZ yeah. and bill being this outcast this loner and realizing and finding his self uh in, in this in this world and again it it, it kind of comes to what you and i've been saying at times about you know the game the last of us uh specifically in in when we talked about the second game with, with all the backlash you come to it is yeah there is infected and there's all the stuff but it is a it's a more character derivative character drawn driven game that you I get so attached to and you're finding that with the show as well and that's what makes the, the second game so much harder when the, when you do the switch and why you and i get it and the people that never gave it a chance do not get it the most one of the most beautiful things in the whole episode there's first of all there's a couple jokes that we got to hit on uh i'm sure we will in a few minutes here by the way this is just ron swanson by the way this is this is this is the this but, is the this is Parks and Rec in the future, and Bill changed his name. Ron Swanson changed his name to Bill. I'm 100 percent convinced. But basically, yeah, and that's 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 what that's what stands out to me so much about this episode is the LGBT representation of. We didn't have a stereotypical gay man or gay mm-hmm. relationship. We didn't have the girl of the who's the wife of the relationship who's the girl of the relationship we had two we had two adults who lived together that's all it was was and by the way dev so listening to Druckmann and and then talk about it uh gay director one of the uh the one one people one of the directors of this was was gay uh gay editor of this gay sound designer Pretty much everyone that was a big part of this had a huge LGBT influence on it. The only person that wasn't gay, and Murray Bartlett, obviously uh, a gay man in his own right. The only one that wasn't was Nick Offerman. And in some ways, I'm like, that almost played better. And I know that there were some people that were mad because they're like, it should have been all two gay men together. But I think the thing that worked for Offerman's character, and look, it could have worked for a a gay actor. I'm not saying it couldn't have, but... I think his unwillingness to come out and yes. know who he is played so well yep. because of it was Offerman, to me at least. There's him him not knowing himself and him retreating from society and him then becoming, finding a community in like the prepper, right? Or the conspiracy theory groups and then him, you know, preparing his house and ended up being true. That's all, that's all rooted in in his own beliefs in himself, right? In his own self-hatred. And uh, the, this, the, the moment that really broke me as an individual was him talking about how he wasn't afraid until Frank came into his life. Mm-hmm. He was victim. just ready to live as a hermit and just mm-hmm. shoot zombies. And he didn't care if he lived or died, really. 
he was just going to survive because that's just who he was. And then Frank comes into his life and suddenly there's just so much more meaning. The way that they talk to each other is so poetic in a sense that like, they don't say like, Oh, I think, you know, right after they take a sip of the wine, like this isn't some tragedy, you know, this is a decision that we made that I made and you have to live with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like such a, that's such a real thing to say to then take this moment that really is, you know, going to change the rest of their short lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were able to laugh about it because they put aside they spend a lot of time in their relationship. I think Frank spent a lot of time in his relationship saying like, I want you to love me the way I want you to. Or I want to show, I want to show myself to you. Like they, they had a fight, you know, when it came to painting the house, they had a fight when it came to uh, Frank wanting to kill himself. And, and he, he had to push, he had to make Bill uncomfortable to accept him the way he was. And I think by doing so, Bill accepted himself. Mm-hmm. And I love the, I love when they're old and, you know, they're, so they're, you know, let's say this thing happens when the, the, the outbreak happens when they're about 40. So they're roughly 60 something. And they're just, you know, his disease progressed. I, and I love that line when they're talking is like, even if there was no apocalypse and we couldn't cure disease, like that was, that was really funny. Druckman and them in the pod made the be very, clear too so uh that they didn't diagnose what the disease was because they didn't they didn't think they needed to they but just for those that are curious if they have us in the pod they said it's it's some form of ms ALS. yeah but like, i was thinking something like that yeah we didn't like we didn't run a narrow narrow it down to 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 what it is i mean it's funny too with you know frank being such a big part of Bill's life because you, you do wonder, like even with what Joel talks about with the fence, right? It's getting corroded. It's getting, it's going to be done in a year. Would Bill have had the supplies to keep that fence going? Or would it eventually, when those Raiders came, for example, would it have been knocked down if he didn't meet, like have the heart to bring in Frank yeah. and just let him go? He would have died in a, he would have died in a shootout yeah. and his body just would have been one they walked by. Yeah. And it wouldn't have meant anything to anybody and it would have been forgot, you know, it would have been forgot to history. And I don't think Bill and Frank are necessarily gonna be world changers, at least not in the universe of the game. But mm-hmm. to Joel's life, they made a difference. Yeah. And yeah. uh even even the way Ellie kind of acted in that scene, just with she's like, Oh, I, I'm pretty sure I was I fall under the category of whomever. So mm-hmm. I I can read the note and her reading it and being like, I and I'm not sure if she understands what that letter meant or what it didn't mean, but she knew that it meant something to Joel, and she was I mean, just like, "She did know." Well, for for yeah, well, there's Mortal Kombat, but you know what Mortal Kombat was. But for that, because uh, her personality is kind of like because she's raised kind of post outbreak, she has like she has no real responsibility in terms of like decorum. And how to behave in certain Dude, the way you know, Bella certain Ramsey subjects. She's motherfucker. Ashley Johnson's got to be proud. Yeah, every time she hits it, every time, just yeah. pitch perfect. But Ellie doesn't actually have to really observe social norms because it doesn't society doesn't really exist anymore. So she's never really been like that kind of person. Where like you know, you or I, for example, growing up, if we had saw a letter for someone else in our family on the table, we probably wouldn't have read it because if we got caught, we get our ass beat. 
Um, And she doesn't have that. And so that was one of the first times of the show in these three episodes where after she read the letter, she, she just let Joel, she let him, she left him be alone. Mm -hmm. She didn't try pushing things. She didn't try making jokes. She just kind of sat there and was like, I think you're going through something and I'm going to let you deal with it. And that was really powerful. Yeah. And I, I think you found a lot more of an adventurous Ellie in this one. You know, obviously, knowing about Mortal Kombat, that was, I mean, look, I think the, the reason I got Mortal Kombat in here, that's because of the Warner connection. So shouts to being connected to Warner because that was really rad. Uh, and then Ellie with the, with the stalker in the basement was really interesting because that's a scene you just want to get in the game. And I found that really interesting when she kind of d- dissected his head to see if blood was coming yeah. out and whatnot. And it was just kind of fungus. That was really interesting. Do you know why she did that? Because she was curious, I guess. Well, I think she, in her, so in her mind, she's never done anything that scary before. Yeah. I think she wanted to see if it was alive. And I mean, mm-hmm. alive, like if it was still mm-hmm. a person because she kills him. She kills that she kills it, him, whatever, whatever you want to use. Yeah. If it was a if it was a human, even if they were turning, I don't think she'd have the bravery to do that if that was someone who had not quite turned yet. Yeah. Well, and her picking up the gun, I think, is going to bring a scene that's another pretty powerful scene from the game coming up here in a bit. So I'll save it at that. But where they're going, uh, I guess the slight change from the game for the next episode, they do not go to Pittsburgh. They go to Kansas City. Okay, sure. But, I mean, Whatever. I saw, I saw my, some my people whole... like, fuck this. This is getting stupid. Yeah. I'm like, it's a city change. I don't give a shit. My whole believability is ruined. And I will say, you know, having this conversation. Like a... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no. You, you, you first. Oh, I was, I was just going to say. I was going to say. Oh no, what are we doing? You got fuck editing this out. Go. Uh even something that shows her increasing in maturity. Well, I don't and I, and I mean that very loosely, but finding tampons in the in the corner store, right? Something that mm-hmm. she would just it was really, really is a big win for her. And she didn't necessarily kind of she didn't really share it with Joel. But it was a big win for her. It was like, damn, sure. that's she's it's funny because I think in a lot of these properties with apocalypse and things like that, we kind of forget that life in a lot of ways still goes on. Women still have periods, people still fall in love, people make babies, um, people still hate some vegetables, or what or people may still try to be vegetarians, mm-hmm. things like that. And we kind of saw that. This episode featured Ellie still being a woman, regardless of the fact that it's a zombie show. And we saw two people still fall in love, even though the world had ended. I was going to say, I think my appreciation of this episode has changed too. When I listened to the podcast with them and then talking about it, again, I really do love this episode. And I think it's beautifully written, beautifully acted, beautifully everything uh, towards it. And I think this is kind of where, you know, I, I took it back from a dev and looked at people that were so mad about the decisions that were made in the second game. And, um, you know, I, I think when we talked about it, there was stuff that we were upset about, but 
it's not my vision and I'm willing to check out the vision that's going to be presented to me uh, of where it goes. And the division that was shown in the second game, I think is absolutely mind blowing and a risk that was it paid off though by Druckmann that I think is unbelievable. And one of the best game decisions I've, I've been lucky enough to play through and have be a part of. And Neil told a beautiful story with it. And then in this one, again, I, if Again, as a gamer, I had a vision of what I wanted to have. But as a television show, this was the better direction to go for a television show. And as cool as all that stuff would have been, at the end of the day, and it's what you and I have talked about when we've talked about the game and talked about the show, and I've I've said this over and over again, I'll say it again, The Last of Us is not about the violence. And I remember when we were previewing this and they were doing the preview and Druckmann and HBO executive were saying, like, this isn't a very violent show. People are like, what? Why not? Because it was never about killing infected and the and the violence. Yeah, that was an objective in the game, but the bigger that was a overall, mission. That was a level. Yeah, story objective has nothing to do with the slaughter of infected at all. That is a part of the game and a part of the world and part of the lore. But there is a bigger in depth story that is being told that has nothing to do with that, and they succeeded quite well here. And I mean, Nick Offerman and Nick Offerman's wife, I'm forgetting her name right now from Will and Grace, already obviously beyond superstar gay icon. And yes, husband and wife holding hands together, like just to- the, the, the LGBT community, they are the toast of the town as a couple now. Absolutely. They have, they, they got all their drinks paid for at every gay bar they end up going to. And and Murray Bartlett, and I love the dig- uh, I, I love the dignity that they were portrayed in. Yeah, like I mentioned before, they they didn't cater to a stereotype. It's just mm-hmm. two beautiful people, mm-hmm. and I mean, it, it was really really emotionally charged. And you know, what, we it, I'm sure it will connect to the story later, right? They're going to have conversations about it, or we might be thinking in the back of our mind any of these any of these things that Joel says he's talking about. It connected to Joel about. because Joel understands his task to protect Ellie more than ever now. That's why he has that pause there of like, these are the things, these are my rules. And it's because of the connection that he's seen of Bill saying, I was brought in this world to protect Frank. You were brought in yeah. here to protect Tess. Now it's Ellie. And Joel has that kind of realization of Tess told me this. Now Bill told me this. This is my purpose. Mm. This is my second chance in some ways to love somebody. That's yeah. That's that's a great point. Yeah, that's and that's that's kind of the obvious part of the sh- of the show and game is once you realize that it's not his daughter, that part becomes quite obvious. And it's great that you tied that back with, with Bill and Frank. And I'm I'm just gonna I mean I'm gonna wonder like are they gonna get brought up? Are Bill and Frank gonna I get brought so. up a lot in dialogue? Um, and if not, like just some of these things that Joel does in the background is like oh like he's influenced by that relationship um yeah uh and it's just it was, it was beautiful like this the strawberry scene is just you know really stands so out and like i said there's like there's like one or two there's one or two jokes in there that really really get to me yeah even just like uh when we'll talk about that before we wrap up um the friggin arby's joke mm-hmm. was arby's was pretty was clever free. like yeah food wasn't free it was a restaurant i don't know why that was funny but it was just like it was just like really snappy on yeah it wasn't it was just really snappy on on murray bartlett's character um 
but when they're having the fight and they like they're stomping out in the street or whatever and he's like oh like you thought 9-11 was an inside job and the government are nazis and he goes they are nazis and he's like they weren't they, they weren't then <laughs> that part absolutely died i love that part so much my my favorite is uh when they're at the strawberries and they're obviously gonna hook up and they're like not next to the strawberries yeah yeah they gotta eat Uh, those they gotta eat those things murray bartlett uh was cast in this uh before he was cast in um in white lotus interesting enough wow and had shot some stuff before white lotus and he had done a a few things here and there and Druckmann and and chris were talking about the pod of like we just liked the guy and he had done some stuff and then when he did white lotus we're like jackpots I know, like, Armand is, like, uh, he's definitely a 2020s television Hall of Famer. Yeah. And and I'm really happy that I got to see him. And, and Nick Offerman, like, you mentioned it before a few minutes ago, uh, Nick Offerman's reticence as when, when he's standing outside of the bed and him leaning on his chest and rubbing his chest. And he's like, I'm going to do, do things very slowly and explain them all. And they're going to be very simple. And it was just like, and you could see like his eyes, his lip, you mentioned like that was, that was acting to a T. Holy shit. I think it's crucial for someone like me too, that, you know, didn't get brought up around, you know, uh, folks in the LGBT community and getting to have these stories broadcasted to, uh, you know, a straight man like me. And getting to see some of these identity crises and love stories, rather we see it in this, or we saw it in something like Bros, which has a different viewpoint of it, and et cetera, et cetera, as we're growing and growing in, in these type of stories. I think that's really important too, of you know, getting you know that out there. And it's we've had so few far between in the past so long of getting these stories. So I think it's really cool to just start to normalize it too right like i think we're getting to a point now too where this was a very special episode uh but i i also look at it of like let's not just look at it because it's just two gay men let's look at it because it was just a love story and i think that's the thing that beautifully enough dev you've been hitting on so much in this of this yeah it is a really powerful and great episode for the lgbt community and i talked about it with like offerman and his wife but it's also on on the whole of everything just a beautiful love story it's it's up there for one of the best uh television movie love stories that we've had in the past decade yeah some you know what's funny is uh you mentioned that like the visibility of it and and normalizing it and and in reality gay people fall in love the same way we do and if you don't like it then just get off the last of us train right now because you're not gonna (laughs) like where it's going i'm just gonna tell you that right now if you saw this episode like well that sucked and I hated it because it was gay stuff, but whatever, it's done now. I got something to tell you. That's not even the last gay scene you're going to see this year. And it's going to get worse for you in season two. So just get off the train right now. I don't want you anyways watching the fucking show, but it, it's going to get way, way worse for those individuals that have no interest in it. Just, mm-hmm. just going to tell you right now, just get out of here. Yeah. Just a friendly PSA for those people who don't I, like. I will this say, sort of Dev, stuff. Uh, and so this is a this is another spoiler, folks, uh, for the Last of Us games. So fast forward two minutes. 
You've been warned. Three, two, one. Lev. It made me think about Lev really hard on this one. And I'm really interested how Neil and them are going to do the uh, identify with Lev's transformation, mm-hmm. being a uh, transgender, what it means to, um, sorry, I forget the other, the name, but for the scars, I forget their, their other name. Um, and that the mom taking her own life and the yeah. trauma that that all has, like that, the buildup of that now with how well they told this story with Bill. Mm-hmm. Man, that made me like, oof. and whatever happens with Dina now too, and that yep. story with her and Ellie, it's just like, and what's gonna happen with with freaking uh, uh, and and the mall coming up here? I'm like, God damn, you guys are just gonna break our all the all our hearts with these uh, these love stories. Oh, with Riley, yeah, with Riley, yeah. I'm interested to see if they're gonna keep doing flashbacks and things like that. I. I'm not going to critique if it's an effective storytelling method or not. Um, you know, for example, when we get Sam and what's his brother's name again? Someone's going to uh, die every single fucking week. Well, I'm assuming so because in the game, everyone died. Everyone died. I'd say Kansas City a, a is full next week. Then probably Ellie in the mall in episode five and Sam in episode six, Wyoming episode seven. I guess cannibals eight and then the uh, hospital in nine. Yeah. That that's right? probably a good, that's probably a good road map. That makes sense to me. And we, we got season two picked up. I couldn't say this before because I had was told I had to sign something. There's an embargo. Announce it. There's embargo. Uh, so I didn't know there was a season two coming. Uh, I was told this at the screening we went to, and I know the location of where it's going to be shot. Hmm. Go on. Vancouver. You can't tell me. Oh, damn. That's cool. Some stuff may still be shot in Calgary. Sure. Uh, But obviously, I don't think this is much of a... This is not... I guess maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, But uh, a big part of the second game takes place in Seattle. That's not really that. That's not not really a spoiler. So, obviously, Vancouver works pretty good to shoot stuff for Seattle. Absolutely, freaking-lutely. Hey, can we talk about really quickly the one thing that I see a lot, I saw a lot on the internet this week was like the little thing was like ten miles out of Boston, and it looked exactly like Kananaskis, and I was like, yeah. that's the least convincing Boston scene I've ever seen, but I don't care. It's awesome. Again, I will go back to it every week. One of my favorite scenes in Austin Powers. <laughs> I can't believe how much roadside London looks like Northern California. Yeah, yeah, that was a funny one where I was like. You guys aren't even trying at this point, but I don't mind it. Well, the bridge into you have the whole Calgary landscape. It's like hey, it's downtown Boston, whatever. Yeah, they put like three or four like CGI buildings in there, and then the rest of it was like as there long as we get rid building. of the Calgary Tower. You can see the shop building. Yeah, as, lo- as long as we get rid of the Calgary Tower, it yeah. it's good enough. Yeah. And what's like whatever. Uh, I don't honestly, I don't care. It's not ruining anything for me. This was a beautiful episode. I mean, I, I've seen some people give it a 10. Uh, and it's absolutely worthy of a 10 and maybe, you know, in a few more days and I think about it, I'll probably have it at 10. Um, but I now have it at a 9.5. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a hard 10 that made me feel a lot of things and it was just really beautiful. And ah, fuck it. Let's make it a 10. It had mortal Kombat in it. Yeah. Right. You had a, it had a good 
first five minutes and I had a good last five minutes for those people who don't like uh, the, the Bill and Frank By stuff. By the way, but too, I... the, the, the harrowing scene, and I thought they were going to show it, of Joel talking about the the innocent people they shot and killed just to like just to lower the numbers and for QZs. I thought they were going to show show this gun line, and I was like tensing up, getting ready to, for them to show it. Like there's a scene in the Crown um, that's one of the most horrifying scenes I've ever seen. It, this isn't a spoiler because this is fucking history, um, but I'm sure someone will complain. But you know, with the uh, the Russian the uh, the Russian family, how they all got massacred, mm-hmm. right? And there's the rumor of Anastasia running around. They show that scene with them going down for the picture. And everything they think they're going out for a picture and they all get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the most harrowing scenes I saw last year on television from the crown. I was like, shit. But it's like, but again, like again, this isn't a spoiler because this is fucking history. Like this happened, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And that's where the rumors of Anastasia and, and everything come from and whatnot. But it was just like, and the crazy thing about that was too that the Brits knew about it. And that one of the Brits, I think uh the queen or the king was their cousin. Yeah, not, but that uh, was Queen, Queen, Victor- Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria was uh, cousins with with them or something like that. Yeah, and because uh, the this is before, in the middle or before World War One. Um, uh, right, right before, right before, right before, right before yeah, Bolshevik so they, Revolution. Bolshevik Revolution, and they didn't want the monarchy anymore. So, um, that that's what I thought we were going to run about. I was starting to have flashbacks, like fuck, I'm gonna just see this gun line again of all these innocent ass people get shot when I just saw on the crown. I don't want to see this again. Uh, and I mean it, they, they they almost do a horror horroring job enough, Dev, because you you see the one woman and you see the the type of clothing she has, yeah, and then it yep. pulls back on her baby, and you realize, holy fuck, I saw that clothing there, and that was a baby. So they do the visual storytelling so well there that it's kind of you didn't even need to see the gun line because you're already nope. horrified when you, you go knew. back and you see the material yeah. there and you realize one of them was an infant uh well one of the one of the best you know one of the best rules in storytelling is to show don't tell yeah. and yeah joel could have said he did it or joel could have been like yeah i was there but they didn't have to they just showed and he it wanted to save was... ellie from it too which was the fatherly instincts kicking in on him because he's like I don't want you to see this because you don't need to. Yeah, it's a good point. The fatherly instincts, that was kind of like the first thing he did that was like trying to protect her. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other times he just couldn't give a shit about her. He's holding her at a arm's length away. Not this so, time though. It is a 10. I had a different vision of stuff I wanted to get and I would have sure. loved to get. But guess what? You I know, can go and play the game and and then that's yeah. how I can watch it too. So you know what there's there's the video game stuff that we would have wanted to see in live action yeah. um and yeah we would have talked about how cool a lot of these scenes were kind of like how we talk about the mandalorian with lightsabers and stuff mm-hmm. but in the mandalorian or the watchman or moon knight we're not talking about how these are real people and how they feel and yeah. how impactful that is to us it was like wow that wow the Mandalorian cut someone in half with a lightsaber. That was that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But it didn't make me feel anything. This yeah. made me feel a lot of things. It did. It did. And it and it moved the story forward. So and again, I mean, but PlayStations are steadily available now. There is a shit ton on <laughs> Amazon right now. Like you can go on yeah. Amazon, you can buy a PlayStation now. So get a PlayStation and then go 
play the remastered version because the graphics are nuts for the last of us mm -hmm. remastered if you've seen them they're nuts so that's how you can do it but yeah a absolutely beautiful episode um a not so beautiful episode that was fine was uh bad batch which is also just kind of another kind of forgettable episode of bad batch well what did you think about the giant robot monster thing did it look awfully familiar to you at all uh enlighten me people think it might be related to the species of from uh jedi fallen order mm. the zepho yeah remember remember how we go to that that planet with the big sinkholes and then uh there's those dudes that can shoot out the energy beams at you from their chest yep yeah very similar to that so cal cast is confirmed bad batch yeah right <laughs> basically that'd be great uh, i mean i think it was good for a little bit more for omega having someone to look up to another female i think was good yeah being surrounded by all these males uh they've definitely kind of split the group up a little bit with stuff but uh yeah i mean it these episodes have been fine it just kind of feels like we're kind of just circling the drain right now but this is what clone wars was like and this is what rebels was like and i think people forget about that like i've seen some stuff on reddit and stuff like these these are so boring this is not like clone wars and and rebels and like remember there's there's something like 110 episodes of clone wars and yeah probably 40 of them are really good oh 100 percent, not yeah. a question like for every time we get the Siege of Mandalore, we get an episode of R2-D2. A fucking monkey a episode. Yeah, like who gives a shit? Like let's just... And that's kind of the hard thing about reviewing the show right now is that we're picking through like individual strands telling people that, it, you know, it's good or it's not good. When the strength of Bad Batch last year was really the lead up to the end. And, you know, the, the Clone Wars and Bad Batch are kind of like the sum of their parts. It's a fantastic show because the highs that it reach are just some of the best Star Wars entertainment we've ever had. And we tend to kind of forget about the things that don't really matter because in reality, let's be real, they don't really matter. And so really we don't really want... talk about the R2-D2 C-3P episode, 3, 3P yeah. episodes. We don't talk about like the weird... Uh, the sister episode in the lost season uh we just talked about the stuff that was really really cool that advanced the story forward not necessarily that was individual so and look mando's back in four weeks so if you you're, you want that kind of star wars stuff mando's back in four weeks so give me some i just want to see like the night of a thousand tears i want to see like a couple flashbacks of the siege of mandalore more i still than say got, the solidary so. clone episode is my i guess uh with some of the last episodes we've had and stuff like that 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 episode with Rex and Crosshair is one of the best episodes I've seen this year. That was that was Star Wars right there. Oh, Cody, Cody, and, Cody, sorry, Cody yeah. and Crosshair. Yeah, I said that, that was a very good episode. That was a very yeah. good episode. That was brilliant. Uh, okay, movies. I saw two movies this week. The uh, I saw you people with Jonah Hill. Was it Murphy. good? Was it good? It was, was it fun. Good? It was fun. Yeah, it Man. looks kind of fun. It's like a reverse of Look Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's some people that absolutely fucking hate it. Sure. Um, I Julia Louis Dreyfus, man, she just got to be more stuff. She's just awesome. She's so good at playing the naive mother to like mm. the, the racism st type of stuff. 
She's so good at it. Because she plays his mom, right? She plays his mom, and she, like, kind of, like, she's the mom that would be like, oh, I have a black uh, daughter-in-law, and I'm, you know, I, she's, I, I, you know, I study black women's hair, and this is what I know about black women's hair. Like, mm. you know? I watched uh, a Richard Pryor skit one time. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, there's some people said, like, it's kind of like a, a comedy get out in some ways. Okay, uh, yeah. Eddie's Eddie's funny. There's a really funny scene uh, in relation to uh, the Kanye and Jay Z song um, in Paris. That's Brothers in Paris. Brothers in Brothers Paris. In Paris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eddie Murphy's like, I can't remember the name of this song. Can you tell me what it is? And Jonah's like, um, Midnight in Paris. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, uh, I don't know. He's like, yeah, they're doing something in Paris. What are they doing? really good comedy timing by eddie and jonah eddie's very serious in this so no eddie murphy laugh or anything like that um but uh yeah just a fun light-hearted movie you got two of them and then shotgun wedding i also saw that was the amazon movie with j-lo and josh demel it had uh, jennifer coolidge in it second time wielding the gun in less than a month for jennifer coolidge yeah no kidding hey holy um and our, our girl Darcy from Barry and from The Good Place, she's in it as well. Lenny Kravitz is in this as well. Uh, I Lenny saw, Kravitz, I saw some people down. saying like, "This is the worst movie I've ever seen. How could they put this piece of shit out?" I Shotgun went into this wedding? movie knowing like, it's Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel. I know exactly what I'm going into. Yeah, what are you talking about? What were you expecting? I know exactly. Like, this is not going to be an Oscar movie. It's not going to be a Razzie movie. It's going to be a stupid turn my brain off comedy that I can watch and edit yep. and do stuff in the background. And it pretty much was die hard at a wedding. If this movie came oh, out, okay. so I talked about Emily, the criminal a while ago, right? If shotgun wedding came out in like 1998 or 2006, this movie's opening to like 80 million box office. Easy. Really? Easy. Now it's like a six out of ten, six and a half out of ten. Okay. But it knows exactly what it is. It's it, maybe for me, it's I like it more because it's like it's a lot of corny '90s comedy. Like there's a part where Josh Jamel is like this this um, failed baseball player, uh, and then okay, so like we, uh, there's a scene where like the bad guys are coming and J Lo has a grenade and she's like batter up. <laughs> The grenade into the bad guy. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect scene to me. I don't oh, know what I you're talking about. I fucking love this shit. I'm like, I miss shit like this. That you got like, I mean, I think some of this generation, they never grew up with movies like Cliffhanger and some of the really bad Arnold and sorts uh, of over the top or something. Over yeah. the top that we grew up with. Like, I swear some of these, like this new generation just didn't see some of these really corny ass eighties, nineties movies that we grew up with and do not understand. Like there was a genre of these movies that would open at the box office and slay. Well, it kind of goes to the idea that like, when, when you do action now, so it's almost like I, everything kind of comes in waves. Right. And um, in a post nine 11 world, we don't really have a lot of funny violence anymore. And that's movies like that do the rock, 
where you can clearly see these stunt guys get like the fake squibs and they're falling all over the place. Mm-hmm. And to us, that's funny. It's like reassuring. It's like not very serious. It's the movies like Rush Hour. It's movies like, uh, like I mentioned, The Rock. It's, it's whatever, right? But post 9-11, I mean, we could probably start off with Batman Begins the Night. Mm-hmm. Really push things into having to be deep, dark, serious. And so like, I, love, I love some of those. Like, There's this weird, I, I can never remember the name of it, it's got Mark Wahlberg is on PBS Superstation all the time where he's like a hitman shooter in like 1990. No, he's like a hitman, like in 1997 or something like that. 1998. It's just, I can never remember the title, but I watched that thing over and over and over again. And we don't really have this that like, anymore. This is just like after Boogie Nights then, right? Yes. Sometime in the 90s. And it's it's definitely when when Marky Mark is not like, uh, you know, we'll call the Corruptor? Him, uh, oh, the big hit? Big hit, maybe. Man, he kills it after Boogie Nights. Random Mark Wahlberg IMDb for really quickly here. But after Boogie Nights, he does the big hit, which is good. The Corruptors, whatever. But then he does Three Kings, Perfect Storm. Never mind. He doesn't really kill it. There's some good stuff in there, but he has. No, but there's some good, like. Failure, Rockstar Failure, but then Italian Job. It's good. I Heard Huckabees, Four Brothers, Invincible. Four Brothers, good Okay, this is a nice run. The Departed, Shooter, We Own the Night, then he does The Happening, and Max Payne. But like after that, like that's a nice little run there by Mark. He's got some good, he's got some big kids. He's got some got, like, good run of movies. They're not bad. They're like four in a row, and they're pretty good. And I thought, you know, I did a pretty good job in them, okay? Get on my back. Okay, well, okay. Sorry, Marky Mark. But I'm just saying, Jeez. We, we've, def- we've definitely gun, lost I take that it, sense. it goes bane, and I make a lot of money, okay? Say how do you mother? You sound just, you. You just sound like Cal from Undergrads. Hey, guy. I'm almost like the Samberg doing Wahlberg impression. I like it. I think it's great. You should keep doing it. Said it. Said no one ever. But you should keep doing it. Um, I still. I mean, it's not a question though. His best movie is still Boogie Nights, though. Which Devin has not seen. I have not seen. No, I think it's on Crave right now. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I as think. Well. Um, no, going back to what I was talking about, the idea of like what you mentioned, the idea of like these action movies also having a kind of not taking themselves too seriously side definitely got ruined in the 2000s, 2010s. Mm-hmm. And that's just a reaction of how filmmakers nowadays grew up. And at some point in time, like we're at some point in time, it's going to flip. And we're going to get like kind of these gratuitous movies that are just like so ridiculous. And even as something like like John Wick, which where you would think like, oh, it fits so perfectly in this 90s action hall of fame doesn't really because it still takes itself very seriously the subject matter like the idea of him like getting revenge or whatever isn't like this cheesy like i'm gonna go guns a blazing like no like he's like emotionally damaged and we all know it mm-hmm. it didn't happen back then that movie that sandra bullock and tatum did Channing tatum did the lost city that's but i think shock shock winning is way better than that Maybe because oh, right. I didn't take itself as seriously. I don't know. Maybe because I, I see J-Lo more as an action star. Also, like, Josh Demel's been in, like, two things now in the last, like, five months that I've been like, why was he not a bigger star? Why did we just, why did it just not happen? Because he was really good in the Chad. Mighty Duck season two. And he, was, he okay. was pretty good in this. I was like, what happened? Transformers kind of mm-hmm. happened. And yeah. then uh, uh, that Las Vegas show happened. 
Yeah. And people thought Las Vegas was going to be like the new Dallas. And, just and then people was. got him confused with Timothy Oliphant. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. I think Timothy, Timothy Oliphant's better, which he is. I like Timothy Oliphant more. But Josh Demel, I saw him like, I would like to see Josh Demel in more stuff. Like, I like, he's a he's a likable actor. Did, now forgive me, I, I don't mean to be so flippant about this, but didn't Josh Demel get canceled briefly? Could have. I know I he was know. married to Fergie. That's what I'm yeah. wondering happened. Did something happen to him? I'm not sure. I do remember the Office episode when they had Timothy Oliphant in there and they thought he was Josh DeMille. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. That funny was when fact. Josh DeMille was a bigger star. And now I think yeah. no question Timothy Oliphant's the bigger star. It's kind of... Is Timothy Oliphant older, though? By like a lot, like not a lot, but is he like significantly older? Let's find out. One second. Let's go to the old Echo. Echo, how old is Timothy Oliphant? Timothy Oliphant is 54 years old. Oliphant is older because I checked out Dunham's age. Dunham is 50. Oliphant's 55. Mm. Gotcha. Now, the thing is, is I don't really have a lot of like emotional connection to Timothy Oliphant movies. Like I know he's in The Girl Next Door. Yep. And Deadwood. Well, obviously, yeah, Mando, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But there, like, he had to do things in, like, the 2000s that, like, people really enjoyed from to the point where he's in Justified. Mando. Justified. Justified. Oh, I never saw that. Okay. Neither Fair did enough. I. Neither did I, but... He, he's done, like... So what has he done? Um, He's just kind of one of those guys that the show's up, and I'm like, cool, I like him. A Santa Clarita Diet, which you didn't watch, that I really enjoyed. Justified's his biggest one, though. Oh, okay. And he was um, a voice in Call, uh, Modern War and Call of Duty Three, as well. Oh, damn! I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, he's done a few things. He was in the Die Hard we don't talk about. Oh. Yeah, but his that... big first role is probably the Girl Next Door. That's where I that's where I knew him from. But as at that at that age, I wouldn't know who actors were really. Yeah. And also no one paid attention to the guys in that show. No. Because Paul Dano's in it. Mm-hmm. Weird. I, I I wonder if that deserves a rewatch. I wonder if it ages if it's aged well. I recently watched it. It's uh still pretty good. Like there's gotta be there's got to be a 2020 version of Girl Next Door, only it's OnlyFans, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know if the teen comedy drama things are really in there at this point in time, but theoretically, like you, someone could make it. I, I watched it recently. It's, I mean, who, who am I to say what's good and not good? But for the most part, I thought it was fine. Fair enough. All right. All right. Let's get. I'm just trying to think if there was anything else uh, that I was. Oh, Velma. At this point, it's just like, you know what? Six episodes in, there's four more to go. I'm finishing this shit. Really? Because I will be the person when people say, yeah, that was a bad show. And I'll say, how many episodes did you watch? Well, I didn't watch it. I'm like, well, I watched all 10 of those fucking things and it sucked. Is okay. So how, you're, how far? You're six in? six in yeah and do you regret every minute of it yes or is there... so bad 
so bad. Is there any? Is there any? Any redeeming quality to it? Daphne. One the Daphne story is good. I like the Daphne storyline. It's not bad. That's okay. not bad. But the Fred Velma, stuff. The Velma's Fred the stuff worst sucks. part of the show. Fred stuff is not great. Okay. Uh, the Daphne stuff is probably my favorite so far. Of her like finding a self identity, self identifying who she is, why she's sure. the type of person that she is. The Norwell stuff is not bad. Uh, Fred stuff is absolutely terrible, and the Velma stuff is absolutely terrible. Yeah, hmm. it's, it's a bad. Have show. we had any kind of like? Have we had any kind of like? Not a press release, but have have we had like Mindy Kaling talk about it at all? Have we had? Um, well, who who better ratings than the Last WB? of Us? Which is, is it really? Up. Yeah. Well, people just hate watching it. It's also HBO's HBO's premium television so it's it's harder to watch so yeah whatever i think it's one episode did better than the last of us i don't know but it looks like it's getting renewed i will not watch but, season two unless scooby-doo's I, so i just read that uh that viewership with the last of us is increasing with every episode right now yeah yeah so it's doing what it's supposed to do which is great well and now like the next week will be interesting because it, this clashed with the uh, uh, AFC Championship game. So episode four will have no real competition to go against. Episode five, viewership will probably be a little bit lower because it'll be going against the Super Bowl. Yeah. But episode four, it'll be interesting to see where they go for viewership there. Interesting. And we will I'll talk about... What, it depends what happens, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Super Bowl trailer predictions next week. Um, before I go to Hollywood rundown, Dev, any extra stuff you've seen? I already know you're busy, so I already know the answer probably. <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah. Unfortunate. All right. Um, we got some big Hollywood rundown stuff to get to, but let's get to the smaller stuff side of things. Uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence confirm Bad Boys 4 is in pre-production. Bad Boys 3 was my worst movie of 2020, so here we go for 2024 worst movie. You're calling it early, hey? Yeah. There's got to be a Will Ferrell movie that's going to come out in 2024. It's going to drive you crazy, though. I I like the Will Ferrell movies. Even the Sherlock Holmes one? Oh, uh, that was bad. Yeah, that was bad. So much potential. Um, all right, let's talk about the fun stuff. Um, set sail, Devin, because One Piece comes in 2023 to Netflix. The, sh- the actual show. So they're doing the live yeah, action. Sure. Are you talking yeah. about the live action? Yeah. Well, the track record of live action anime adaptations is basically zero, so I'm not excited. It would not make it past one season. This week, Shinichiro Watanabe came out and said he's the director of Cowboy Bebop and said he didn't even like make it through like the first episode. It was hilarious of the live action <laughs> show. Like, ouch. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Well, Hopefully Indiana Jones goes very good for her because her next task at Amazon, and we talk, we call we called this trend by the way. Um, we have another trend too. We got to talk about a trailer in a second. The trailer trash, but we called this trend with Last of Us with the ratings going up. Like, well, you know what's in the those video games? Those are in. So let's fucking throw our money at that. And uh, Amazon is now going to be building a whole. Tomb Raider verse uh, with a TV oh, se- series, 
written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and then there's going to be a feature film as well, and then a new video game by Crystal Dynamics. Okay, so is it going to have Alicia Vikander in it, or are we just moving on to someone this else? This is brand I'm... new. I mean, I hope it's Alicia Vikander. I thought she did really good, but yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge will write it. We do know that, so I wonder if this is the project that Phoebe Waller-Bridge, because Phoebe Waller-Bridge left Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Glover for another project at Amazon, and I'm wondering if this is that project. $600 million seems to be the reason why, so I'm going to say probably. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I said this in our group chat, but so big, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a big Fleabag fan, but I recognize the genius of it. Um, it's basically Barry for women. I understand that. No big deal. Uh, but are we sure that she's a good writer? Like until Indy, until Indy comes out. And I'm, I don't mean, I don't mean as like a, as a, as a drama writer, I mean, as like an action writer or like a generic kind of Hollywood writer, uh, because some of that stuff with um, Bond, not good. Yeah. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff with, uh, with the droid was so, so, so she keeps getting like all these options, you know, all these chances of writing all these. Yeah, like, No Time to Die. Action. She wrote Spectre. She wrote, she, well, she was some part of Spectre. She wrote No Time to Die which was not great. Um, Did she not write her dialogue for Han Solo? I'm not sure. I think that was um, Lord and Miller and then Ron Howard. Well, I know she didn't direct it, but I'm wondering if she, I, I, I was under the impression that she wrote, uh, she wrote her stuff for, for that droid. She did the first matter. two seasons of Killing Eve, which are brilliant. And after that, that show goes off a fucking cliff. I didn't. I, so is she not part of it after that? No, she left. I didn't. I didn't hate enough on that in our year in review. How much I hated that finale. Mm. It was really bad. Uh, but you're right. Like the track record is still left to be determined. Like as far as writing, she, uh, she has Fleabag, she has Killing Eve, and then she has No Time to Die. So those are the writing. And No Time to Die, and No Time to Die might literally be one of the worst Bond movies of all time. Yeah. I'm pretty calm. Still has her I've, seen, I've seen them all. For Mr. And Mrs. Smith, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna keep her name on it, even though she left. Because she probably at this point in time, she probably did a lot of work getting it going. So that's 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 just a holdover of like she was involved in the planning process, the writing process. Yeah. But she's not really gonna have. She's not gonna be hands on anymore. It still has her as a writer in it as well. Yeah, she probably wrote the first the first script. Paul right? Dano's so in it, and be... John Turturro's in it. Well, everyone knows how much we love John Turturro. So now I'm in. I mean, I was in with Glover, but uh, and she's rumored to be writing the next Bond. Please don't. Bullets of Winter is the rumored name right now. James Bond Bullets of Winter. Yeah. Nah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, she's typically a comedy writer, and the way that she's written action for Bond hasn't been great. Um, so we'll see how she handles Lara Croft. That's what I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm really happy for everyone involved. I'm not going to show them this thing before I see it. I don't really think Lara Croft needs to have like the Lara Croft universe, but that's just me. Uh, Thunderbolts recruits Aya. I'm going to butcher her name. This is from the bear Two super talented actors from the bear. Io, oh, yeah. uh, a, a beery. 
How do you pronounce the name? I think that's pretty close. Uh, she has a secret role. My guess is White Tiger. Ooh. Which would be really cool. That's kind of cool. She White Tiger. That would be very cool. So that's the rumor there. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, yeah. DC decided to get their shit together. Oh, yeah. There was like a YouTube video that came out today or yesterday, didn't it? Today. Uh, all right. So let's do, what do you want to do? Do you want to do TV first? Do you want to do movies? What do you want first? Just give me the order. Just give, and we know that, we know that friggin' what's his face is not Superman. Okay. So here's the deal stuff right now, like um, the Batman is Elseworld. So those are not connected to the bigger DCU films. That and Joker. We know that. And Joker. Okay. So those are Elseworld. Those are not connected. Uh, no problem. The first, the first film of this new DCU era. And so, and by the way, too, so Shazam will come out. No word yet. Um, it's going to happen to Zachary Levi. Controversial tweet from this week. We're not going to talk about it. It's going to move forward. If Ezra Miller didn't get fired, freaking yeah. this guy's not getting fired. Yeah. Uh, and then Flash will happen. James Gunn said Flash is one of the best movies he's ever seen. Confirmed that it is Flashpoint. Perfect. So we're going to reset the entire DCU and then Aquaman. So those are the past DCEU films that will happen. And then we're going to move forward. Some of those characters, okay. some of those actors are going to stay. Some of those are not. I think we can pretty much guarantee that Ezra Miller will not be going forward. After the comments that Zachary Levi made, we'll see if he's going forward or not. Uh, we know Jason Momoa will be going forward. We just don't know which character he's going to be. Well, everyone wants him to be Lobo, right? Yes. Yeah, everyone wants him to be Lobo. Um, okay. So, 2025. Holy shit, this is the superhero year of superheroes. <laughs> because okay. we have both Avengers movies that year. Now we have a Superman movie in July. And then the Batman sequel comes out in October. Three weeks mm. before Secret Wars. Damn. Okay, so we're actually getting like superhero wars at the box office finally. Yeah. So we get, I think, so Kang comes out in April and then two months pass and then we have Superman Legacy. Why can't just be Henry Cavill? Who knows? Who knows? I don't know who it's going to be. Rumors Austin no one Butler. Does. Please don't be oh. true. Oh man, I'm Superman. Ooh. I fly on the sky, and I get kryptonite, and it hurts my bad. Listen up, mama. You no, know, you know he doesn't sound like friggin' Elvis in real life. That's pretty good, though. It's so fucking weird. It's so weird. It's the weirdest shit ever. Um, the uh, the other one is the Authority. I'm not too familiar on this. Uh, it's a it's a newer comic. Um, okay. So. Uh, James Gunn said this is a passion project for him because it kind of almost looks like it's another Guardians. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Oh, if friggin' Batista's in it, I'm 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 out, man. Batista is apparently up for Batista doesn't know if he wants to be in the DCU. He's already turned down Bane. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, so I don't know much about the Authority, but people that do seem really really excited. It's a newer comic, so I don't. Okay. I, Generally, haven't read the newer comics. I'm, I'm not there. Uh, but from everything I've heard about it, people are really excited. Uh, 
the Batman movie within the DCU is The Brave and the Bold with Batman and Damian Wayne. So we're gonna so, we're gonna jump ahead. We're skipping a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we're skipping a bunch of stuff. We're gonna have Raja Ghoul as his grandfather. We're gonna have Talia in it. We're gonna have Nightwing all ready to go. That's, we're gonna have Red Hood true. ready to go. We're gonna have Barbara ready to go. I'm in. Yep. Now that's the kind of the funny thing about this is like this particular we'll call it time frame of Batman history. Do we just skip all this shit and expect everyone to know it? I guess that I guess so. Like whatever. I guess. Who cares? I guess. Um, then we have Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. This is going to be really, really rad. So this tells the story more or less of how Supergirl stays on Krypton, sees it gets destroyed and all that, and then eventually kind of drifts off and then ends up on Earth. So she has an entirely different view on life and what she's seen because she's seen Krypton get destroyed. She's seen worlds get destroyed. And she does not have the exact same worldview that Clark has. So uh, yeah, I've read a little cool. bit of this comic, Woman of Tomorrow. Highly recommend it. This is going to be a banger of a film. Cool. We don't know and who's in it yet. Don't know who's in it yet. And then Swamp Thing. It will end out this part, this chapter. We're not going phases. We're chapters. This, 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 this okay. is called Gods and Monsters, this chapter. Uh-huh. And we'll end with Swamp Thing. I feel like I've heard that before many, many, many times. Yeah, but and it's finally cool. coming true. Swamp Thing's fucking amazing. So uh is Guillermo del Toro doing this? Because that seems like the only answer for me. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Now, how how like gritty, real dark are we getting? That's what I want to know. A pretty dark and gritty, apparently. All right, then. That's fine. Uh, then we have... so, And the other thing this here is I'm about to get to the TV shows. Uh, games, animation, television series, and movies are all connected. And if there is an animated series, the actors from there will portray... The actors that play them live action will portray them in animated and animated vice versa. So the okay. uh, first animated right. series that we have nominated that, that will start off it's an animated series called Creature Commandos. I don't know a lot about this one either. Um, it looks kind of neat. Uh, and I do know the weasels in it. So obviously Sean Gunn will be part of that. Okay. Um, the next show will be Waller. So this is obviously focused on Amanda Waller. Uh, mm -hmm. Because of this, season two of Peacemaker will be put on hold. But members of Peacemaker's team will be involved in the Waller show. Okay, so I guess that's going to be one of my questions was... Waller. Yeah, yeah, one of my questions is just going to be what happens with Peacemaker Season 2. Is that going to count towards all this stuff as well then? Yeah, but for now, Peacemaker 2 is put on hold where they do stuff in this. Rather, Cena's in this, I don't know. Yeah, they have to they have to get some stuff in order probably before they can just jump back in it. Paradise, Paradise Lost is a Game of Thrones-style story set on Themyscira before Wonder Woman is born. So what does that tell me, Devin? Gal's gone. Yeah, like, no, Gal's no, gone. we're not confirming Gal's <laughs> gone. I'm like, that kind of tells me Gal's gone. But Robin writes in. Maybe. That'd be dope. Uh, and then the two things, other than Superman Legacy, being a big Superman fan that I was excited for, the two things that I got like, okay, I'm very excited. Um... 
number one, a comedy series based on Booster Gold. Give it to nice. me. This should be The Miz. I honestly don't care. Just whatever. I mean, it's, uh, it's, so, what is this, like three years? What is this, two years away? Two years away? Yeah, from being two years yeah. away? And Doesn't then, matter. holy shit, this show, Lanterns, focuses on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart in what is explained as a detective-style story close to reminiscing of True Detective with Green Lanterns. I'm like, that sounds fucking amazing. Give it to me now. So True Detective with Green Lanterns? Yeah, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> and it's Jon yeah. Stewart I'm and in. Hal Jordan. Even better. We've been asking for John Stewart for friggin' 10 years, literally. So, there we go. There's the DC uh, slate right now. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, some exciting stuff. I mean, uh, I'm obviously excited for a new Superman movie. I mean, it's we're two years away from that, so we gotta... Devin, what gets cast first? Superman or Fantastic Four? Oh, Superman for sure. By the way, Fantastic Four is out in, less, in a year and a half. November 2024. Have they filmed it? I don't think so, but November 2024 is when Fantastic Four is supposed to be out, and we still don't know who the cast is. Okay, well, what video game just got bumped like six weeks uh, today? Supposed to come out in the spring or something like that. Just a a big triple triple A game just got bumped. Kill the Justice League. No, something else. Um, what what I'm saying is I don't give a shit about release dates anymore until it comes out. Like it's the yeah. same thing as music albums. The same thing as like delays are just inevitable now. I'm trying to see what the delay was. You don't know. And apparently that Spider Man game is supposed to happen in fall. I still don't believe it. Mm. I don't believe it. I refuse. And yeah. oh, uh, Jedi Survivor was delayed. To when? April, six weeks. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, that's fine. See, exactly. So when they were like, "Oh, we we have a Fantastic Four movie coming out in blah 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 blah," I don't care. The difference Unless, is like, they have before. a timeline they have to hit because they have an Avengers movie six months later. Why they could just delay that too? Who gives a shit? Yeah, they they don't seem to move those May dates very often. Unless it's something astronomical, um, well, so anything in the DC's thing that you're the most that you have uh, an interest for? Uh, you know what? Like potentially, it's it's getting harder and harder as our lives you know move on with with keeping up with this stuff. I'm not saying it's it's impossible. Um, my interest is going to be directly proportional to the hype of the first couple of products, which I'll give a shot to. Like even right Superman. now, I have. Yeah, like even right now, I haven't seen Aquaman. I haven't seen Black Adam. Mm. I'm behind on those, pro- and I know I'm behind on those properties. But because do you don't have to see Black Adam anymore, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but because but because you know, a week after the movie, everyone's talking about how bad it is and how they fake the numbers and how the rocks out. There was no draw for me anymore, so I don't. I can just put it on my list and I'll watch it whenever. Um, these new franchises coming out. If they actually hit, you know, good buzz, I'm going to be more inclined to want to see it through word of mouth. But if it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, it's another DC movie, like it doesn't change anything, then I'll watch it four years later like I've watched everything else. I would say DC has an interesting thing in their favor. Whether I mean, we, we definitely are going to see some nice box office for superhero movies. Superhero fatigue is a thing. 
You and I experienced it last year with the Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had kind of a nice little distance from stuff now since Wakanda. And you haven't even seen Wakanda yet. Um, uh, yeah. But we have Ant-Man coming out soon here. But it, uh, my, my whole point is, after Secret Wars, it's going to be very interesting to see. It'll be X-Men. It'll be all X-Men for Marvel, right? That'll be the main crux. It will be X-Men. And they'll be building up to... Um, big storylines there maybe x-men versus avengers and all that kind of stuff right because secret wars is a big story to go and dc is going to have crisis in infinite earth and darkest night Mm -hmm. in their back pocket which are bigger stories to tell darkest night would be ridiculous daddy give it to me now and by that point ai technology will give us george clooney batman val kilmer batman adam west batman (sighs) I'm going to be fucking 50 years old when Darkest Night comes out. It's going to be really weird. I know. We've been waiting a long-ass time, my friend. I used to read this comic back in the old shop. It's good times. Back, back uh, then, there was only three green was... lanterns, damn it. I know. Back when it was printed on paper. Back then, it was printed on paper. None of these stupid eye goggles. When you read. <laughs> what is this? Friggin', what is this? Uh, Ready Player One? Look, Black Mirror. Gotcha. So there you go. Um, yeah, I guess the big thing coming out this week, I've been watching the Pamela Anderson documentary before we got on here. It's not too bad. Maybe if you want to watch a documentary, that's out this week. Um, Wakanda Forever is out this week. New Last of Us, new Bad Batch. And I'm sure there's a movie on Netflix and the other ones that I'm not knowing at just this point. But uh yeah. It is exciting times. The next week we'll be giving uh, some Super Bowl trailer picks. And uh, yeah, had a really good Royal Rumble this week as well. Numbers were pretty crazy. Who won? Cody and Rhea Ripley and the fans. The fans won. The fans won because they probably saw the greatest piece of wrestling storytelling in over a decade. Really? With Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. I trust you. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to add, Dev, before we get out of here? No, man. I'm keeping I'm keeping it quiet. All right, folks. Until next time, cheers and enjoy the day, people. But we're not done yet because trailer trash succession. Oh. Whew. Okay. You brought me out of retirement. I just put back up. Here I am. Holy shit. Uh, first of all, round of applause for us. I got a few comments like, you guys called it. You nailed it. We nailed the timing. We nailed the date. I should be a TV executive. I know how they think. Uh, I mean, I don't have a lot to say fully about the trailer. It's just, I'm just more happy we got the date. So we know it's March 26th. We're less than two months away now. Last of Us is going to end. You get like a two-week break, and then we're ready to go. We are ready to go. Are you uh, Team Logan or Team Rebel Alliance? Let's go Rebel Alliance, baby. Oh, I'm kind of, I'm something about Greg and Tom, though. (laughs) I love this Fredo level, what they're doing (laughs) with Tom. What they're doing with Tom? Yeah. 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 I just love that scene in the trailer. I guess we'll we'll break it down like really quickly where he's just like, so you're gonna like take care of me 
you know, if Siobhan and I get divorced or whatever, and he's like, I always, uh, you know, I always take care of loyalty if I like you or whatever. And she's like, uh Oh, I don't know what this means. I'm screwed. I love, I mean, Connor's wedding, I'm sure is going to be an all time episode too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yep. I mean, just judging on wedding episodes we've had in succession, they tend to be pretty good. I almost just like want to watch, like, I, I know I want to watch episode one from the very beginning already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just I want to watch the trailer right now. I want to listen to the theme song. I'm just in. This is it's it's like my show, I guess. I it's know. funny. So what I was going to reiterate here when we were because we were off here talking about how good that Last of Us episode was again, and um, it's it's funny because I'm like, oh yeah, I just feel bad for Last of Us because this is like suck up motherfucker succession. Well, do you think so far we have three episodes into Last of Us? Do you think it's do you think it's award winning worthy? nomination worthy it's not going to be it's not going to beat house of the dragon it's not going to beat and i I think this is better than house of the dragon by the way for storytelling mm-hmm. um but uh just i forgot to tell you this just the absolute burner that hbo has been on and i'm not even talking about before with barry and winning time and everything like that just to have gone now from house of the dragon to white lotus to last of mm-hmm. us to succession that is ridiculous. It's the best. Like I don't, I don't care about Netflix. I don't care about Disney or Hulu. I mean, I care about Disney a little bit. You like, know what Sunday night is? It is HBO night. They have owned. Ex- we've, yes. We haven't talked about this enough of how much they just own Sunday. Yeah, it's a well. They just they nail the water cooler show. Yeah. Like I don't know how they came up with like you know way back when in the you know late 2000s when we're like we need, we're gonna make oz mm-hmm. and sopranos what the wire pull. what a but like, fucking pull but like but they were having board meetings where like we want to dominate premium television like we want people to talk about this show every single week for the next 10 years and then they came up with sopranos yeah and this and is it the just television has, has it let up like what was like i know there's lots of there's lots of hbo shows that don't get renewed yeah but like, if what what's the like what's the ten best HBO shows in order? It's impossible. <laughs> like, Wire Sopranos are up there. Okay, we know that. No Wire problem. Sopranos, like, Thrones, Veep is Veep HBO. Uh, Curb. Yeah, like we're just throwing these out there. Like we're just Oliver. off the top of our heads. Succession. Yeah. So we're right there. True Detective Larry Sanders, season one. Larry, Larry Sanders show, True Detective. Season one. We're not going to what say was, season What's the show that you and I like? The one with Kid Cudi? Oh, How to Make It in America? Underrated. Same, same with Bored to Death with Jason yeah, I was gonna say, and, and they have these two underrated bangers. That Those two were underrated. Got, oh. They were underrated. Okay. And then little break down right there. They have Curb coming back this year, too. Some people think he lost it. We'll see. No, he didn't lose it. He never lost. I just, I just, again, I just can't. I, if they could sneak out a White Lotus season this year too, which I'm sure they're giving Mike White all the monies. Please get one more White Lotus season out this year. All the monies. Please get one more White Lotus out. Oh, friggin', we're missing Euphoria. Euphoria as well. I mean, they may go. They may go this whole year. They're gonna have. 
Last of Us, uh, Succession, Barry, and Winning Time, and Curb, all for sure. Yeah. And they still may not have White Lotus, Euphoria, and House of the Dragon this year. That's nuts. Pretty much. Yep. Like, I know That's Disney, exactly you know, kind of owns Wednesdays a little bit right now. It's kind of Disney's day is a Wednesday. So you have a you yeah, Mando Wednesday, will start Thursday. owning Wednesdays uh, when it, Mando comes out and then Secret Invasion after that. But uh, at Netflix, they haven't owned a Friday for a while. Oh, don't forget uh, White House Plumbers coming out. And White House Plumbers. Yeah. And then the, whatever that Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Pl- uh, Plumman show that looks really interesting as well. Just it just doesn't stop. And by and by the way, just to get, uh, listening to Matt Bellamy on the town, he's talking about Peacock. There's a potential that Universal and uh, Discovery Warner may merge. Wow, that'd be yeah. huge. So you have the ability to have the Universal IPs in there, on top of everything. Just think about if HBO Max, Discovery, whatever it's called, goes with um, Peacock. That's nuts. That is the, probably the biggest. Um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Uh, competition to Disney that they've ever seen. Yeah, well, Disney needs to get their shit together, and they they need to start using some of these products a little bit better instead of just trying I, to. I gotta tell you, Deb, money. Disney fucked up for the first half of this year for Disney Plus. Like not having Mando out until March was kind of fucked. You think it should have been January? They should have got something out sooner. Mm-hmm. Like we still don't like they, the the fact that Disney has not really have we don't have dates on like when Secret Invasion's out, when Echo's out, when uh, Acolytes out, when Ahsoka's out. They really mm-hmm. dropped the ball on some of those properties to know when they're out. Like I, they're like coming soon, but I I can generally have an idea when these HBO shows are coming out between. Like succession was like spring winning time. We kind of have an idea when it's coming out. Same with curve, anyways. It's all crazy, but that succession trailer, it's just it just brought a smile to my it's probably the show I gotta tell you between family and friends. I have been asked the most as someone that is an entertainment uh broadcaster, podcaster, about when is succession coming back. I've probably been asked that more than any show. Mm. Well, uh, have have my dad call us, you know? Like, uh, maybe we can trade that for a, a text. <laughs> no deal. Right. No deal. All right, everyone. <laughs>